So we're doing a series this month called Overflow, and today is part two of that series on overflow. I'm going to read to you a passage of scripture here. Uh, This is uh, Genesis chapter 26. I'm just going to read verses 12 and 13. Genesis 26, 12 and 13. This is what it says. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper. I'm going to say that again. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. The man began to prosper and continued to prosper until he became very prosperous. What does God desire for each and every one of us? That you would, number one, begin to prosper, because some of us haven't even begun to prosper. It's not that you haven't had provision. You've had provision, which means you just break even. But you haven't begun to prosper. And some of us have begun to prosper, but we don't know how to continue to prosper, meaning to go to the next level. And then for most of us, the idea of becoming very prosperous is just out of this world. It's like, no, that's not for me. And what I want to talk about over the next three weeks is what are the hindrances that prevent us even from beginning to prosper or prevent us from continuing to prosper or prevent us from becoming very prosperous? And another word of talking about becoming very prosperous is to say overflow. Living out of the overflow, where you're no longer giving out of sacrifice, but you're giving out of overflow. The sock analogy. Wasn't that powerful? When she turned that bucket of socks over and it overflowed. She's like, you need some socks? Here you go. Take some socks. Overflow. And one of the primary hindrances to us experiencing the prosperity of the Lord and the blessing of the Lord is that we've become convinced that that word prosperity yeah. is a heresy called the prosperity gospel. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so we think it's unbiblical, even though the word is in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. So we read that word and we say, well, that word is unbiblical. Yeah. Even though it's in the Bible. Yeah. Because we be- we've, we've become convinced yeah. that the whole concept of prospering is part and parcel of a prosperity gospel. Mm -hmm. Now, let me say to you that I am not preaching to you a prosperity gospel. A prosperity gospel means that if you're not rich, there's a problem with your faith. I'm not saying that. The prosperity gospel teaches that every believer is supposed to be rich. I'm not saying that. And one of the problems with maybe perhaps the main problem with what I see with what has been properly called the prosperity gospel is that the only thing that you're taught in that realm is how to sow seed to the preacher. (laughs) And the only person who actually prospers is the preacher. And what I find for most believers is that the problem is that you don't know how to sow seed. That's not the problem. 
The problem is not that you don't know how to give your tithes. The problem is not that you don't know how to give your off. What I found is believers who have been sowing for decades but still haven't reaped anything. And we've become disillusioned because God said it. I mean, and we, we just try to skip over it and not read it. He said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house, says the Lord. Test me in this. And see if I don't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you that you don't have room to receive, which is overflow. When God gives you a blessing, you don't have room to receive. That's called overflow. And God literally said, if you give me the tithe, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on you that you don't have, you don't have room to receive. And so what we do is we develop this Gnostic, Platonic, Greek philosophic form of Christian faith that spiritualizes everything. It's not about the natural, it's about the spiritual. So all of the blessings that God has for us, they're in the age to come. It's about when you die, you have heavenly blessings. When you, you get to go to heaven when you die, and there are spiritual blessings, and you don't, you don't actually expect anything to change in the natural, material world. God doesn't care about the body. He doesn't care about where you live. He doesn't care about how you live. He doesn't care about the natural. He only cares about the supernatural. And we spiritualize all of the promises of God. Yeah. And we don't realize that that's Gnostic, that that was an early heresy in the second century called Gnosticism, yeah, yeah, yeah. where they believed that only the spiritual mattered, that the physical didn't matter at all. Why? Because the physical material is evil. That's what Plato taught. Mm. It was the Platonizing of the Christian faith. Wow. When Jesus cared so much about the physical body that he went around healing all who were afflicted. Yeah. Why did he heal physical bodies if the physical body is evil? Why did he call Lazarus out of the ground with his physical body if the physical body is evil? Yeah, 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 yeah. The point is that he cares just as much about your physical as he does about your spiritual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came to erase the dichotomy between the physical and the spiritual. And secondly, what we don't get is that in the Old Testament, there was no robust hope of eternal life. In the Old Testament, they did not have a robust expectation of life after death in this place called the kingdom of heaven. That, that truth grew, progressed. But the promises of God in the Old Testament were not geared toward an eternal life in the hereafter. The promises of God in the Old Testament were about this life. Abraham, get up out of your father's house. Go to the place I'll show you. And what will I do? I will bless you in this life and make you a blessing in this life. And I'll bless those who bless you in this life. I'll curse those who curse you in this life. What about that Proverbs? What is it? Chapter 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of your increase. So shall your barns be filled with plenty in this life and your vats burst with new wine. In this life, that is, you should expect a right now blessing for obedience to God. Right now obedience brings about a right now blessing. And we think we got that from Jesus. Because he told the rich young ruler, sell everything you have. Give the proceeds to the poor. And come and follow me, 
and you'll have riches in heaven. Which we understand to mean when you die, you'll go to heaven and you'll have riches, which is not what Jesus meant. We did a whole series on the kingdom of God last year and even the, the, last fall, uh, the fall of 2019. And the whole point of that, se- that series, both of those series, was that when Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven, he was not specifically speaking about when you die. His whole theology of the kingdom of heaven is that it's here and now. That's foundational to his gospel. It's not when you die. It's here and now. He started his gospel by saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here and now. He said the kingdom of God is among you. It's here and it's now. The kingdom of heaven is the awareness of the fact that God has come to make right what has gone wrong. That everything that we've messed up, God has come. Now he's with us now. And the whole New Testament is trained towards taking our minds off of this one day because that's what they were believing for. One day the kingdom is going to come. One day the Messiah is going to come. And the announcement of Jesus is it's here. It's now. It's today. And what we've done is we've relegated all of the blessings to the one day. Maybe after I die. Yeah. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine, and he was saying, you know, I work seven days a week. And the reason I work seven days a week as a pastor is because my grandmother was a pastor, and she taught me from the time I was very young, you can rest when you die. <laughs> so people in the church ask me, when are you going to rest? I say, I'll rest when I die. And I said, at the rate you're going, you're going to rest soon. When Jesus said, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest now. But we see this guy, Isaac. What happens in Genesis 26 is that there's a second famine. The second famine that happens in that land of Canaan in the context of salvation history. The first one was in Genesis 12, when God said to Abraham, get out of your father's house, go to the place I'll show you. And God promises him all these blessings, but he gets to the land of blessing just in time for a famine. Because that's typically what happens. When God leads you to a place, you expect blessing there, there's typically famine there. It's typically the opposite. He gives Joseph all these dreams. Your brothers are going to bow down to you. And what happens? His brothers beat him, throw him in a pit, and sell him into slavery. Typically, when God gives you a promise, the the opposite happens at first. That's what trips you up when you start accusing God of lying. Abraham, go to this place of blessing. He gets there, and it's a place of famine. The place of blessing always looks like a place of famine at first. And Abraham responds to that by abandoning the place of blessing because it looks like the place of famine and going down to Egypt. And then he gets down there, and now he compounds errors, and now he has to tell some lies and tell them that Sarah is his sister, his wife is his sister. And then God has to miraculously intervene, rescue him from that situation, and he goes back to the land of promise to just stick it out through the famine And he builds an altar and calls on the name of the Lord, meaning he repents, and he comes back to a place of faith. Then Now his son Isaac in Genesis 26 is experiencing a second famine. And immediately he 
resolves in his heart to do the same thing his father Abraham did. I'm going to head down to Egypt, but on the way of Egypt, we're going to stop by this town called Gerar, which is actually close to the promised land. It's where the Philistines lived. And he stops at Gerar on his way to Egypt. But when he gets to Gerar, God speaks to him and says, don't go down to Egypt. Don't do what your father Abraham did. Stay in this land. And then God gives him this beautiful promise, and I'm going to bless you. You stay in this land, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless your descendants. I'm going to fulfill the promise I made to your father Abraham. I'm going to give you all of this land and everything your eyes can see, but you've got to stay in this land. And so Isaac stayed. And, of course, there's a snafu. He does the same thing with his wife that Abraham did with his wife. But So Abraham made two mistakes. Isaac only made one. That's another sermon. I'm not going to get off tangent on that. I'm trying to finish this up so we can get to El Cerrito. And then it says, and so Isaac sowed in the midst of famine, which doesn't make any sense. The ground is fallow. The ground is barren. There's no water to water the crops. You're wasting your seed by putting it into this soil. It does not look fruitful. And he sows when nobody else is sowing. And it says he reaped a hundredfold in the same year. In the same year. Not after he died and went to heaven. He reaps, he sows in the midst of famine. He reaps a hundredfold in the same year. And it says, and the Lord blessed him. So the man began to prosper. Here's the keys to prosperity. Three keys to prosperity. Number one, he was listening for God. Number one, he was listening for God. I wrote in my journal last night, I said, Lord, I'm just so thankful to you for this season of my life because I can honestly say that I'm hearing from you more regularly, more consistently, and more clearly than I've ever heard from you before in my life. Every single day, I'm hearing you speak powerful things to me. And I've discovered you to be my teacher. I've always longed to know Jesus, the teacher. I know you as my teacher now. You're teaching me every day. And you know what the Lord said to me in response? I've always been speaking to you. I'm not speaking to you more in this season than I was before. You're listening more. I'm always speaking, but you're seldom listening. And even as much as you hear me now, is nothing compared to what I'm speaking to you now. You're still only hearing a small percentage of what I'm saying to you. The Lord showed me this about 25 years ago when I was saying, Lord, why is it that I don't hear you clearly? And I saw this picture of Jesus walking and speaking, and there was a young man standing next to Jesus, and Jesus was speaking as they were walking, and then the young man slowed down to where he was about 10 feet behind Jesus. Jesus continued speaking. The man could hear him, but only faintly. Then the man slowed down to where he was about a half mile behind Jesus. He was still following Jesus, but so far behind him that he couldn't hear a word he said. And the Lord said to me, if you can't hear what I'm saying, it simply means that you're walking too far behind me. Doesn't mean you're not walking with me. Doesn't mean you're not following me. Doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. It simply means you're walking so far behind me that you can't hear a word I say. If you want to hear me, just catch up. Just walk closer. Remain more present with me. And that's what the Lord said to me last night. He said, Benjamin, I've been looking forward to this season in your life more than any other season because I knew that in this season you would become more present with me than you ever have before in in your life. And what I have longed for more than anything is your presence. I long for your presence more than you long for mine. 
present with God. He was listening to God. Isaiah chapter 65, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend your labor on what is not bread? Why spend your money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul shall delight in the richest affair. Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul shall delight in the richest affair. The, the primary question is, are you listening? Are you listening for God? Some of us are not prospering because you're, we're not listening. Instead, we're employing worldly wisdom, the wisdom of this world. And the wisdom of this world means look for fertile soil. The wisdom of this world will lead us to Egypt because the land of promise is barren. The wisdom of this world says flee the famine, but the wisdom of God says, no, 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 stay. He was listening, and because he was listening, he heard God say, don't go any further. Stay where you are. I'll bless you, but you've got to be listening. You've got to be listening. He was listening. And secondly, he was led. He was listening for God, and he was led by the Spirit. Sounds like the same thing, but it's not. Do you know you can be listening but not led? You can be listening to God, and you can even hear what God says, but that's not the same thing as being led by God. Because being led by God is a combination of listening and obedience. You're not led by him until you follow. You're not led by him until you actually do what he says. I mean, my daughter can be listening and I can say, clean your room. And I heard you. But in order to be led, she's got to actually clean her room. You see, some of us are listening but not led. We heard God, but we haven't obeyed him. We heard God, but we haven't done what he said. Yeah. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 says, those who are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. Not those who are listening to the Spirit, those who are led by the Spirit. Those who actually do what he says. Those who actually follow up the act of hearing with obedience. Hmm. A lot of times we look at this passage and we, we hear the wrong thing. He sows his seed in barren soil. And so what I take from that is, all I need to do is find some barren soil to sow my seed into. I'm not going to follow the wisdom of the world. I'm not going to look for fertile soil. I'm going to look for barren soil. That is not the principle. It didn't matter whether the soil was barren or fertile. It mattered that God said to sow it. The point God was making was not that your seed belongs in barren soil. The point was, your seed belongs where I tell you to sow it. Being led by God means that you will often make decisions that are counterintuitive. But you are blessed not because you do the counterintuitive. You're blessed because you obey God. You're blessed... Because you do what God said. Now, when we talk about sowing seed, the first thing we think of is the offering. And that's that us, us pastors, it's our fault because that's all we teach you about. The only seed that most believers know how to sow is at church. 
but you don't know how to sow into your business. That's a seed as well. You don't know how to take a step of faith. You're not listening for God. Listen, one of the primary reasons why most of us don't prosper is because we're not listening with an ear to prosperity. We're not believing that God has my best interest in mind, that God's desire is to take me to the next level. And so I'm not listening for his leadership. Listen, if God has my best interest in mind, then the most prosperous decision I can ever make is to listen to his leading and go where he leads me. And that includes my job. And that includes my business. Sometimes God will say, so in this area, so in this area, so in this area. And it looks like the business is going to fail. And it looks like everything's going to fall apart. It looks like this company's going to fail. But God says, no, 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 stay in that company and so. Or sometimes it looks like this company's going to blow up. And God says, no, 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 move to this company and so. But we're only looking at the natural. And we're looking at which is going to give me the best salary and where's the best benefits. And I'm just trying to use wisdom instead of listening to God. You've got more than one type of seed. What are you sowing into your business? What are you sowing into your family? What are you sowing into your children? What are you sowing into your friendships? If you believe for prosperity in every area of your life, then it is imperative that we begin to listen for the leading of the Spirit as to where to sow my seed in every area of life. Not just at the church. And that's why you're disillusioned, because you sowed at church but didn't sow into anything outside of the church. And so all you reaped was good standing at church. But you weren't listening for God to say, sow this seed into this company. Invest in this. What's that prosperous woman in Proverbs 31? You know what she is? She's an entrepreneur. She considers a field and buys it. And with its proceeds, she feeds her family. She's not just a servant. She's an entrepreneur. She's a businesswoman. She's got a prosperity mindset. So the man began to prosper. Why? Because he was willing to take the risk of being obedient to God. Even when it looked like the direction of God was leading to poverty. He was listening to God. He was led by God. And then lastly, he was looking for the reward. He was looking for the reward. We think that to be a good believer means to be looking for the sacrifice. And what we don't realize is that sacrifice is a season. It's not your destiny. Prosperity is your destiny. And that God calls you to the place of sacrifice to qualify you for prosperity. He was looking to the reward. That sounds like a scandalous doctrine, doesn't it? It sounds like turning God into a Coke machine where you put in your dollar and expect the Coke to come out. And that's not the point at all. We need to go back and read Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 6, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
For he who comes to God must believe two things. What? Number one, that he is, which is a much more powerful statement than it sounds. It sounds like it's saying that he exists. But this actually takes us back to the burning bush where God, where Moses says, who are you? And God says, I am. And then Jesus fleshes that out in the seven I am statements in the book of John. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the door of the sheep. When Hebrews says, believe that he is, believe that he is what? He is that he is. He is the good shepherd. He is the the way, the truth, and the life. Believe in who he is. And then number two, and that he is a rewarder. You can't come to him if you don't believe that there is a reward for coming to him. You can't even come to him in faith if you don't believe that there's a reward. And there's a blockage in most of us. We believe in God the good shepherd, but not God the rewarder. We believe in him as the way, the truth, and the life, but not the rewarder. Why did the author of Hebrews not say, believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life? Because that's easy for us to believe. But it's hard to believe that he's the rewarder. He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There is a reward for diligently seek him, but most of us are not looking for a reward. We're not looking for a reward. We're looking for a sacrifice. And then we're scandalized because all God wants from me is my sacrifice. And you don't believe he's a good, good father because if all he wants is your sacrifice, he's not a good, good father. But any good, good father wants to reward his child more than he wants a sacrifice from his child. We didn't bring a late into the world because we want sacrifices from her. We make the primary sacrifices. Jesus made the primary sacrifice. He isn't looking at for your sacrifice. He gave his life for you. And are there sacrifices along the way? Of course there is. Abraham, take your son, your only son whom you love, and offer him on the place where I'll show you. But what happened after that sacrifice? That sacrifice qualified him for another level of blessing. Whenever God calls you to the altar of sacrifice, whenever he calls you to lay down that which you love, whenever he calls you to to lay it down and to cast it down, he is qualifying you for greater reward. And so you got to be looking for the reward. But here's the difference. God has the right to determine the reward. I'm looking for the reward, but I'm being led to the reward. I'm not determining the reward. Meaning, I don't determine the reward is $10 million. That's not not my... And then we're called, Lord, I call forth $10 million. Shut up, man. (laughs) Call forth some obedience in just the basic levels of your life. How about that? (laughs) Call forth some faith that God hasn't abandoned you. Call forth some basic encouragement. How's that? (laughs) And when you get that down, open your eyes and look for the reward. God, you tell me what the reward is. But I know there's a reward. I I might not know what it is, but I know it's coming. And secondly, I know that that reward is in every area of my life. 
I'm not going to spiritualize it and say it's just getting to go to heaven when I die. No, 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 no. It's here. It's now. I'm looking for a reward here and now. I'm looking for a reward. I'm anticipating a reward. But my primary consciousness is I'm listening for God and I'm seeking to be led by his spirit. When my primary consciousness becomes the reward, that's, that's the manifestation of pride. Because I'm assuming I've done everything God wants me to do. Where's my reward? Mm -mm, that's the rich young ruler. These I have kept since my youth. Where's my reward? Jesus says, there's one more thing you lack. Go sell everything. We don't realize that that command to the rich young ruler was in response to his pride. I'm seeking to obey. I'm listening for his voice. I'm seeking to be led by his spirit. And I am confident that there's a reward that's coming. That's what it said of Moses there in Hebrews 11, further down somewhere. Moses, by faith, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to endure the passing pleasures of sin. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he looked to he who was invisible, and he looked to the reward. He says, I forsake Egypt, all of this gold of Egypt, all of this wealth of Egypt, all of this fame of Egypt. I forsake it all. Why? Because there's a greater reward with my God. And the reward he's going to give me is greater than all of the wealth of Egypt. But he determines the right. Most people know I turned down a recording contract when I was a singer in, in high school. My, my life could have went in a much different direction. Maybe doors would have opened in that realm. Maybe I would have become known. Maybe I would have become famous. Maybe I would have become wealthy. And comparatively, you might look at my life now and say, you have so much less financially than you could have had. But I would look at my life and say, I'm far wealthier now than I would have been. Meaning that the reward that God has given me is being able to do what he's called me to do. Being able to have a family that I could not have had. A wife that I do not deserve. A child that my wife and I cried for for many years. But you know what? Financial blessing is coming too. And financial blessing has come too. We are more blessed right now financially than we have ever been. But you know what the Lord said to me? You've only just begun to prosper. You've only just begun to prosper. There's four levels of wealth, financially speaking. First level, being able to eat whatever you want to eat. That's level one wealth. If you want to eat it, you can eat it. I mean, if you can eat whatever you want to eat, that's level one wealth. Second level of wealth, being able to vacation wherever you want to vacation. If you want to go there, you can go. Third level of wealth, being able to live wherever you want to live. You want to buy there, you want to live there, you can do it. Fourth level of wealth, being able to give whatever you want to give. Wow. 
unrestricted giving. Meaning, that's the life of overflow. That's the place of overflow. Where there is no restrictions on my giving. That is the highest level of wealth, and that gives wealth a purpose. And what hinders us from going there is we're either not listening, or we're not being led, or we're not looking for a reward. Today, God is simply calling us to open our heart. Most of us are simply listening for God to tell us what to sacrifice. (laughs) When it comes time for a sacrifice, my wife and I pray. When we did the whole building fund, God, what do you want us to give? And we heard God clearly. And we made the biggest pledge of our life. And God blessed us to fulfill that pledge a year early, more than a year early. It was a two-year pledge. We fulfilled it in 10 months. That was miraculous. That was blessing. That was favor. To, me, to us, that meant more than receiving a huge check yeah. and fattening our bank account. Being able to fulfill that pledge in 10 months was just a huge miracle. But we're listening for sacrifice. But then my wife, the Lord spoke to my wife and said, you're going to be blessed more coming out of this. And then the Lord spoke to her in January of this year. And said, now, out of the overflow, you're going to bless others. Till now, it's been out of sacrifice. You've blessed others. But in this next season, out of overflow, you'll bless others. Giving is a part of it. We're not throwing that out. Please don't throw that out. (laughs) But giving is only a part of it. And if I were to simply tell you, Give your tithes and your offerings, and you're going to prosper financially. I would be lying to you. There's a promise that goes with it, but there are steps to activating that promise. And you've got to be listening to God in other areas of your life. You've got to be listening to him when it comes to investments. Mm -hmm. And there's a process of learning. You've got to be listening to him when it comes to business. And there's a process of learning. And in every one of those fields, the moment you take a step towards where God directs you, famine hits that land. As soon as you step into the realm of investing, famine's going to hit that land. As soon as you step into the realm of business, famine's going to hit that land. And what tends to happen is as soon as famine, as soon as we take a step towards prosperity in any area and the famine hits that land, we go, I knew it, I'm out of the will of God. I knew it. The problem is I'm thinking about prospering and God doesn't want me to prosper. He just wants me to go back to the sacrifice and just live here in the sacrifice and just be content to sacrifice. And when I sacrifice and I'm without, I'm just content and I just bear it that God just wants me to have a little. That's all he wants me to have. And as soon as I get a little more, God says, give it to me. Give it to me because I don't want you to have that. But when you step, take that step towards obedience to God, he says, I'm trying to open a door for you here, but don't flee the famine. Yeah. Don't run because there's a famine. I knew the famine was coming. But I'm calling you to stay and sow. That's the hardest thing for us, isn't it? Yeah. Stay and sow. God wants to break discouragement off of your life. 
Some of you are just depressed financially. Some of you have been tormented financially. God wants to break that torment off your life. God has blessing for you. He's got abundance for you. And if you think that you've given to God for all of these years and he hasn't seen your sacrifice, if you think you've given to God for all these years and he doesn't have blessing, he doesn't have a reward in store for you, no, 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 no. You've got to lift your expectation. You've got to look for it. Your seed has demanded a harvest. And the Lord is not blind and he is not unjust. Your seed demands a harvest. And the harvest is coming. The harvest is coming. The harvest is coming. And one of the biggest problems is we tend to hate on people who prosper. Don't hate on people who prosper. Open your heart to your own prosperity. Amen. I've, I've said enough this morning. That's enough. Bow your heads. Let's pray. Give God a, a shout of praise. Somebody come play. Yeah, there we go. You have something you want to say? No. Okay. Good, because we're going to go over there and we're going to sign this platform. Lord Jesus, I thank you today that you're mindful of your people. And some of your people have just been so beaten down and discouraged because every time I take a step out in this field, it seems like I just get stomped down. There's some of you that had ideas. You had just an anticipation that God was going to do something, but as soon as you took a step in that direction, famine hit the land. You took a step into the realm of entrepreneurialism and famine hit the land. You took a step into the realm of investing and famine hit that land. And some of you have been so discouraged that you haven't even taken a step. You're so discouraged about the prospects of God blessing you that you haven't even been, been able to hear him. You got no vision, you got no ideas. You've just been living with the expectation of, a, of ongoing poverty and struggle. I don't know about you, but if my daughter lived that way, it would break my heart. Yeah. If my child lived that way, it would break my heart. If my child had lost confidence that I wanted to bless her, that I wanted to increase her, it would break my heart. Yeah. God wants to open up your heart again. He wants to strengthen your heart again. And yes, there's a maturation process that comes with it. I'm not giving you a promise that from today, everything you try is going to succeed. No, stuff's going to fall apart. That's part of your education. That's part of it. But trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. You must make a decision that I am going to see the prosperity of the Lord in the land of the living. The psalmist said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living in this life. 
Jesus said it. What is it in Mark chapter 10? He said, no one who has sacrificed for me houses and lands had left father and mother and brothers and sisters and wife and kids. None of them are going to fail to receive a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come, eternal life. Even Jesus said it's not just about the world to come. It's about this life. It's about this time. Some of you are just... You just believe God's so disappointed with you that what God actually has in store for you is punishment. You've been listening to the enemy of your soul, not the lover of your soul. Perfect love drives out all fear because fear has to do with punishment and punishment is not God's plan for your life. And so Father, I pray, strengthen and encourage your people today. Open the eyes of our hearts. Reconnect our hearts with the promise of prosperity. For some of us, we've been believing for so long and we're tempted to simply make a treaty with smallness. But God, I pray that we would tear that treaty up, that we would not sign it, that we would not accept it, that we would begin to believe you for abundance once again, and that we would simply listen Listen for your voice. I prayed in Jesus' name. I'm going to tell you one story and then I'm going to end. When I was studying to do my PhD, I told God, I said, God, I'll do this, but I cannot, I, I'm not taking out any more student loans over this. You have to fund it. And I'll do it as long as you fund it. And I remember there was one quarter where the school made a change and they doubled the tuition overnight. And it was due in a week. Or else I could not enroll in classes. And so I went to the sanctuary. I needed $2,500 to enroll. And I went to the sanctuary and I cried out to God. I said, God, where is that $2,500? Where is that $2,500? I cried out to God for an hour. And all I said was, where is it? You directed me here. You sent me here. You know I need this $2,500. Where is it? And they told me when I talked to the office, they said, you could apply for a student loan. I said, no. God, where is it? And I cried out for an hour. Where is it? And God spoke to me and said, he named one of my aunts. And I thought, okay, Lord, that's a nice idea, but where is it? Because ain't no way this aunt is writing me a check for this much money. Ain't no way. Ain't happening. Ain't happening. So God, quit playing. And the Lord said, call this aunt. So I grabbed my phone. I called the aunt. Hi. She said, how you doing? I said, I'm doing great. And she said, listen, how are you doing in school? I said, oh, school is going fine, going fine. She said, well, listen, if you ever need any money for school, you let me know. I said, well, thank the Lord you said that. Because <laughs> actually, that's exactly why I called. And she said, well, how much do you need? I said, $2,500. She said, well, how much of that do you have? I said, none of it. I, I need $2,500. She said, well, you don't expect me to give that to you, do you? I said, no, actually, I don't, because I didn't. She goes, I'll give you $250. I said, I will take it. She said, come to my house right now. I'm writing a check. I said, I'm on the way. $250, that's better than $0. I will take it, and I will be thankful. I didn't expect that from her. And I drove to her house. I knocked on her door. 
And she opened the door and handed me a check. I looked at it and it said $2,500. She said, after we hung up the phone, I got convicted. Because I thought it would be terrible if Benjamin couldn't go to school and I had the money sitting in the bank and I was too tight to give it to him. The leading of the Lord. Now, I've been crying out to God for a new type of blessing. Lord, can you give me a blessing that doesn't require me to ask people for money? <laughs> you know what I mean? Can you just bless something I do? But here's the key. Get out of your head how you want God to bless you. I, I have no right to tell God how to bless me or how to lead me. Get it out of my head. Just get it out of my head. All I'm doing is I'm asking God and I'm believing I know you've got this. I know you've got this. I, some of you are to where the church was in 2008. You know where we were in 2008? We needed a financial miracle every month to break even. Pastor Dyrell was our, our, our financial director at the time, and he used to call me on the 30th. I remember first time it happened, he called me on the 30th. Pastor, do you want to pay the staff or the rent? I said, man, quit playing with me. It's not April Fool's. He goes, no, I'm serious. Do you want to pay the staff or the rent? Because we don't have enough money to pay both. I said, well, why, why, well, how much do we need? He said, $7,500. I said, when do we need to buy? Tomorrow morning. I said, oh, Lord. We called a prayer meeting. The, whole, uh, the elders and staff came over and prayed. We cried out to God. The Lord said, it's done. The next morning, somebody called me on the phone and said, Pastor, I just received an, a settlement, and I, I want to give you a tithe. I want to give the tithe to the church right now, and the tithe is $7,500. But here's the prayer. Where is it? Where is it? Instead of crying about, oh, God, I don't have it. No, no, no. The prayer is not, oh, God, I don't have it. The prayer is, Lord, where is it? Where is it? You lead me. You got me. I have no clue where it is, but you know exactly where it is. I have no clue what to do. You know exactly what to do. I have no clue where to go. You know. You lead me. I'm listening. And then I'm being led. It doesn't have to make sense when you lead me. I just need to be obedient. And then I'm looking for the reward. I'm listening, I'm being led, and I'm looking. Father, bless your people today. Strengthen and encourage in Jesus' precious, holy, mighty name. We just stand in the presence of God, and I want you to lift your hands, and I want you to declare and prophesy prosperity over the areas, the dry areas, over the areas that, are, uh, that, that is lacking famine. Come on, come on, declare you will prosper. Come on, declare you shall overflow. Come on, declare. If you lack discourage, if you lack encouragement, come on. I want you to declare supernatural encouragement in your heart right now. Come on. Wherever you are experiencing famine, I want you to, I want you to listen to God. And I want you to declare prosperity. Declare blessings right now. Come on, release. Come on, release blessings over your marriage. Release blessings over your finances. Release blessings over your children. Release blessings over your lives right now. Spirit of God, in the name of Jesus. Father, we declare prosperity. We declare blessings. We declare overflow, God. That we're not going to crawl in lack, but we're going to overflow. And we're just not going to just receive enough blessings to just, just go by. 
Why? But we're going to receive the overflow of the blessing so that we will bless others, Lord. God, in this season, it's not just about barely making it, barely surviving. You are taking your sons and daughters, God, into another, another level of blessing that out of the overflow, we will bless others. We may be crying out for God to provide enough funds to put down payment on our own house. But that's not your destination. You don't need faith for that. It is done. You know what you need faith for? That out of the overflow, you're going to bless others to put down a down payment for their homes. That's the level of blessings that God wants to take his people to in this season. In this season, you may ask, oh, our church is so small. But did you know that we got to hire two full-timers in the midst of pandemic? Other businesses, they may have to cut. But God is taking his people to another level of prosperity and blessing. So, Father, I release blessings right now. Come on. Receive blessings. Receive the overflow of God's blessings in your encouragement, in your faith, in your family, in your finances, in your spirituality. So Holy Spirit, come and fill your sons and daughters <laughs> with, the, with the supernatural seed from your throne room. We thank you. We believe. We believe, God, and we trust in Jesus' name we pray, amen.